to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and download our mobile app. Now, let's enjoy today's message. All right, so I'd like to also welcome those from Commitment Online, as well as Commitment Collegiate Church that will be watching uh, today. And uh, we have been continuing a series I've entitled for you, Forgive, Choosing to Let Go. So can we bow our heads, please, and ask God for his help. God, thank you so much for the awesome opportunity to be in your presence, to worship you, to celebrate life, to be able to know without a shadow of a doubt, God, that you're alive, you're well, and you are uh, actively involved in each of our lives. So Father, I pray now that you would come and help me communicate a life-changing truth that we can embrace and live out practically every single day of our lives. So, Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your great unfailing love towards us. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. So, we have been drilling down into a very difficult topic, uh, and that is forgiveness. Um, Forgiveness is very, very difficult, especially if you have experienced pain of any kind uh, towards anyone or someone towards, or some pain towards you. Uh, This is what Oxford Dictionary, uh, how it defines forgive. It means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. An offense, flaw, or mistake. And I'm sure each one of us can probably fit one of those categories of what? Out of offense, a flaw or mistake. So at the end of the day, we have all collectively, individually committed some kind of mistake or some kind of offense to someone. If you live long enough, you can rest assured it will, it will dial your number and you will offend someone. Your flaws will come out over time. So in this series, what we've been trying to drill down on are two things. The first is this, is we must courageously forgive everyone. Courageously forgive But then secondly, we must choose to let it go once and for all. Just have the courage, have the confidence that God will supernaturally empower us, strengthen us to let it go once and for all, not holding it against someone, not dangling it over their heads, not making people jump through hoops to cause them to uh, forgive or work through the forgiveness process. So so today what we're going to be talking about is this, is that we're going to be defining the measure of forgiveness, or we're going to forgive by the same measure that we have been forgiven. But the difficult thing in this is, is this, is that if I have the inappropriate measurements, chances are my measurements or my, my act of forgiveness will not come out the right way, right? If you try to bake a cake, and if you don't have the proper measurements, right, chances are the cake is not going to come out the way it should. Same thing with forgiveness. If, in fact, you don't know the proper measurement of forgiveness or the measurement of how you have personally been forgiven, you will always have a difficult time producing forgiveness in the life of someone else. So if you can't open the Bi- your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and nestle with here within the Lord's Prayer, it's called, this is when the, uh, the disciple says to Jesus, can you teach me how to pray? And these are the words that Jesus gave them. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, we find it there. And we find three measurements of forgiveness. Three measurements of forgiveness. 
Matthew chapter 6, again, begin with verse 9. It says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have all have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But then it, it, it bleeds over and it seeps over into verse 14 and 15. It says this. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father would not forgive your transgressions, plural, right? Your forgiveness is towards transgressions, plural, your, his forgiveness towards you is what? Plural. So underscore this is not talking about forgiveness for the sin nature. All right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. But what we're talking about is that life after coming to know Jesus Christ that each one of us need to have this measure of forgiveness because we will have flaws we will have failures, and we will do what? Make mistakes. Make sense? So this is what we're talking about. So that being said, the word forgive we find here in this particular portion of Scripture, it means this, to let go from one's power. Think about this. When someone hurts me, I hold the power, right? So think about that, wives. When your husband don't, doesn't take out the trash, you hold the power, Right? If your husband doesn't do what you've asked him to do, what happens? You hold the power, right? If the children don't do what you've asked them to do, in essence, what you do is what? Hold the power. You hold the leverage in the relationship. So when someone hurts you, someone offends you, chances are for them to get back, you have to let go of the power. You have to let go of the control in the relationship to let God begin to intervene in the relationship. So, the word forgive also means this, to let go of an obligation. And then the synonym, believe it or not, of this word forgive means this, to render inactive. So in whenever or whatever someone has ever done to me, I must make a choice to render it inactive. That they do not owe anything else. We need to close the account. Close the account, remove the account, take your name off the account, and render that account towards someone else inactive. So that being said, let's start with our first of the three measurements of forgiveness. It's found in verse number 12. The first part, first part of verse 12 says this, Forgive us our debts as we also have what? Forgiven our debtors. So the first position or the first measurement is this, is that we must become men and women who are confidently forgiven. Think about that, that we are confidently forgiven, that we're not just forgiven, but we have such confidence that we are forgiven that I am able to do what? Release everybody else around me. So think about what Jesus is saying. This is super important to understand that this word forgive in the context of we as we also means this, that we forgive today so that we can be forgiven in the past. So in other words, God has forgiven us in the past, but it takes this forgiveness in the present as I'm speaking to you to really embrace my forgiveness where? In the past. But then it also has this, this connotation that I am forgiven in the, for my past, 
if I choose to forgive in the future continuously. So this is where the rubber meets the proverbial road, is that many times in relationships, I choose not to forgive as I speak in the moment. And then it, it somehow corrupts how I think God has forgiven me of what I did in the past. Some, some wicked, confusing way, we begin to think that, well, God hasn't let it go from me. And then it begins to affect or infect one's relationship with God, even in the present and in the future, continuously. It makes sense. So again, here, here we have a, a challenge that we all will face is when I'm sinned against, someone does something wrong to me in the moment, I have a, cho a choice to forgive them in the moment. If not, I will begin to somehow think in my mind that God hasn't forgiven what I just did in the past. And that's why it begins to have, we begin to have conflict in relationships so many times, especially in uh, relationships that are highly emotional. You begin to hold it against you, hold it against you, and then now I begin to, there's, there's this wedge that begins to, to enter a relationship that drives a wedge in between a, a man and a woman if they're married, a, a, a you know, two brothers in Christ, a sisters in Christ, or just people in general because the wedge grows, 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 grows because I can't believe that God has also forgiven me. And then we, it begins to, to lead into this downward spiral, downward spiral, and then we find ourselves further and further, further and further, sometimes away from God because we're choosing not to forgive in the moment so I can continue to, to walk in the forgiveness that God has given me and initiated from the cross of Christ. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says it this way. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So many followers of Jesus Christ miss out on the refreshing of God, the refreshment of God in the moment because they won't forgive. They won't let it go. Then 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 is probably familiar to some of you. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he says, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Understand what it says, that he is faithful and righteous, right? So remember, think about this. If I don't forgive as I speak in the moment, I don't believe he's faithful and righteous. If I don't forgive tomorrow continuously, I will always have this resemblance of God not being faithful enough, not being powerful enough, not being forgiving enough to let what I just did go. We must become confident in our forgiveness, and it begins with understanding that I have to ask for it, right? But then I must become a person who also graciously give it away every single day of my life. Confidence leads to our second point, is that we, this confidence gives us the, the courage to begin to, forget, to forgive past debtors, past debtors. Listen to what uh, verse 14 says. 
It says, if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now, very easy to gloss over that and miss some important points here. It says, if you forgive, this word forgive means this, if you forgive completely. That's what that means. If you forgive completely others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. This word forgive means now and in the future. If you forgive completely, then there's this confidence that God will forgive me now and the next time I fail and the next time I sin and the next time I do something wrong. But I must be willing to clear the debts of those around me completely. I must, I must render the debt of everyone in my life completely, inactive completely. Not partially, because partially says to me, well, then maybe God doesn't forgive me now because this one is a big one. Right? This is like a really bad sin. He can't forgive me of this really bad sin. Well, it's because I don't release people from their sins. How can God release me of this bad one? But if you choose to let it go, forgive the past debtors, then God, you, there, there's this, this innate ability, if you will, that God gives you through the power of his Holy Spirit to live in forgiveness now and also in the future. And listen, for you to live completely free, debt-free, completely debt-free you know, before God is that you must also, again, expunge the debts of others who have hurt you in the past. And listen, this is super important, especially in families. Because you know why? It'll leak over into your children and your children and your children's children. And so many people today, and maybe you're this person, is that you're walking around with some of the pains and the baggage that your mom and dad chose to live with their lives, in their lives. That they didn't forgive their parents about something. They didn't forgive their uncle or their aunt or their grandparents or, or whoever it may be, may be, or their first husband or second husband or third husband or wife, whoever it may be. And then it leaks over into the children. And the children are innocent. They don't know what's going on between mom and dad. They don't know what's happening. But they, they, they inherit the pain. They inherit the pain. Then it's transferred to the next generation and the next generation. Somebody has to courageously say, you know what? I'm going to let it go. Somebody's going to have to say, I'm no longer, I will no longer allow the pains of my past cloud my present nor my future. Somebody has to rise up to the occasion and say, listen, not on my watch, not in my family not in my marriage, not in my life. Somebody has to, because if not, you can rest assured it will somehow leak into your children's life. Let me ask you this. If you're a parent, have you ever seen characteristics in your children and you say, wow, how did they find that out about me? In other words, they do certain things, say certain things, act certain ways that you didn't even teach them. Or you, you follow me? You didn't say, okay, now watch to see how nasty daddy's attitude can be. 
but somehow they have the same expressions, you know, the same reaction, and it's like I see myself in them. I mean, even, even as little children, you just, you just see it. And somebody has to be conscious of it and say, okay, God, I get this, that this stuff can be hereditary, if you would, from a spiritual standpoint, if I don't eradicate it on my watch. And all of it has to do with relationships. All of it has to do, think about every issue that you have in life. It's relationship-driven. Okay, well, finances. Well, that's not relationships driven. Chances are it is. You know why? I grew up, didn't have anything, so I become a hoarder of money. Or I grew up and never had anything, and you know what? Now that I have it, I'm going to spend it, man. I'm going to live large. I'm going to do everything that I couldn't do when I was a what? Child. Our parent grows up, right, and now they have children. So, you know what? My children are going to live like me. I'm going to make sure that they're in dance classes, soccer, baseball, basketball, hockey, because I was able to do nothing. You know what that is? That is your past has leaked over. Your pains of your past has leaked over in how you raise your children. It's because one hasn't stepped back and said, you know what? I need to forgive my dad. Because I see my workaholism is hinged upon my relationship with my dad. <coughs> you follow me? Or my failures of my parents or even my successes of my parents, right? Is that your parents can be successful and then now you have inherently said, okay, all right, well, I want to be just like them. Versus saying, God, you know, forgive me. I'm not my mom. I'm not my dad. Never was, never will be. I want to be the man, the woman that you've called and created me to be, that I can grow up and live in peace, do what you've called and created me to do, be the man that you want me to be to honor you, to help others, and ultimately glorify your kingdom. That's freedom. But it starts with recognizing all of these nuances and, and deal, going back in time, dealing with that past debt. Then you'll be able to get up every day and you'll work for God's glory rather than working to please dad who's nowhere to be found. Forgive your past debts. It's super required to accurately measure forgiveness so that you can forgive those today and whomever in the future. Confidently forgive. Forgive your past debtors, which leads to this third and final point we find in verse 15. Listen, we all must get to a point that we realize that we simply can't exist without forgiveness you can't exist without forgiveness can't breathe can't live can't function without forgiveness and so many times we find ourselves trying to operate in life and go on in life and think that we're okay but we're really not okay but all we're doing is building up shells and facades and you know what I mean the, these, these shells of a people that really aren't who we really are because we're trying to live without forgiveness super important 
that one comes to a place in their life that says, okay, God, I just can't function without forgiveness. Listen, and this started and was initially predicated upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Listen, if today you've put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, functionally, you cannot even begin to live without knowing that Jesus Christ died for you and has initiated this whole forgiveness process. That I'm a really a bad person deep down on the inside. And remember, we've been learning this, is that at the end of the day, you may think you have everything together, but if you have the opportunity to do wrong and not have the consequences of wrong, come on, let's be real. How many of us have thought about murder, but we also thought about the consequences? <laughs> right? How, let's think about this. How, how many parents would have murdered their children over time, right? <laughs> you know, j j just because of, you know, their behavior, right? It's like, oh, if I could just strangle you and then oh, it would be okay, right? But that's not the reality, right? You know, and that's why this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He says, you say you shouldn't murder, but I say if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. How many marriages would be unfaithful if a person can do what they were thinking. And that's why Jesus says, if you look, you say you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look at that woman and you desire in your heart, you've committed adultery. So what Jesus did, he stepped on the scene and he neutralized everybody. He neutralized the religious ruler with the, the harlot that they wanted to stone. And he says, you, you're no different. Yes, she may have committed this act, but guess what? All you guys, you probably want to sleep with her. But you knew that that will invalidate your temple pass. Right? And Jesus, so Jesus came in and said, no, no, let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's cut to the chase. You all need me. Jesus says he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. In other words, Paul went on to say, Paul the apostle said this. He says that the law, the law was the tutor. The law is the tutor. In other words, listen, go down the Ten Commandments. How many of you have broken, how many of us have broken the Ten Commandments today? And that's just ten. Just to let you know, there were a couple of thousand. It was like God said, okay, well, you guys can't remember all the thousands. Well, here's the top ten. <laughs> just get these right. And we can't even get the top ten right. So he says, this law is in place to show you how bad you really are. Right? You know, don't covet your neighbor's household. Well, you know what covetousness means? Lack of, lack of content in your current condition. That's everybody in this room. I'm not satisfied in my current state. That's covetousness. So, so again, when we look at that, it's to say to us, man, this whole entrance 
of life, this whole entrance into the relationship and journey with Christ began and hinged upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, and the pathway was forgiveness. He forgave me of who I am and who I'm capable of, of being, right? So, so that then should be the pathway to living life. Just continue this. Just keep going in this. What you've seen me do, you just keep doing it to others and for others. And, and you must get to a point that you realize that I couldn't live without forgiveness, nor can I continue to live without forgiveness, both the re- being a recipient of it and also being those who are issuing forgiveness to those around us. And that's why if you look at, again, verse number 15, it says, but if you do not forgive others, or let me say it this way for you, if you do not love others, because that's what drew Jesus to the cross, that's what kept him on the cross, it was love for you and me in our current condition. Love nailed him to the cross, love kept him, keeps him, kept him on the cross and keeps him there, if you would, okay, for us today, for those who understand the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Love should be the reason why we forgive, and that's why if you could put it this way, but if you do not love others, then your father would not forgive your transgressions. If you do not agape, ooh, if you do not agape others, love others as I have loved you, you cannot believe wholeheartedly that he's going to forgive you. Love is the driving force. Love is what gets you off the dime. Love is what causes you to, to have action, right? In any relationship, love is what allows a, a woman to say, I want to birth babies as we, we, we celebrate one a day. Love says, okay, I want, I want to cook for you. I want to come home to you. Love says, I want to die for you. And that's why Jesus says, if you love me, Obey my commands. And one of the greatest commands that God has given us is forgive. Forgive. If you love me, forgive. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 summarizes this way. It says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. But listen to verse 14 says, this is hinged upon, 12 and 13 is hinged upon 14. It says, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love is what allows us to get over ourselves. Love is what allows us to not to protect myself, control the environment. Love is the perfect bond of unity. Love is 70 times 7. Remember we learned that? 70 times 7 doesn't mean 490 times. 70 times 7 means 70 Seven lifetimes. 
over seven lifetimes. And each one of us in this room only get one. So what, God, what Christ was saying to his disciples is this. Loving and forgiving is an ongoing thing. It's a lifelong journey to let it go. Let me end with this. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 37. I want to end by answering the question as I've done previously. And the answer of that, the question that we have that we need to answer is, how do I let go? How do I let go? All right, I could tell you all this benefits of letting go and why you should let go, but at the end of the day, how do you let go? Let me, let me summarize it with one statement and one answer to the question. When I began to act like a son and a daughter of the Most High God. When I began to act like a son and a daughter of the Most High God. When I began to have his DNA flowing through every area of my life, when I began to have his mind in my heart, that his, his mind is my mind, his passion is my passion, his voice is my voice, his desire is my desire. When I began to take on the DNA of the Most High God, but how does that look? His three simple, uh, you know, if you would, solutions to it all. We find, again, in, in Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 27 through 37 and just finish with these three points. But I say to you, listen closely. It says, who here love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Can I park there for a minute? How many times have we punched him in the face? And he just turned the other cheek. How many, of we have, how many times have we taken his coat? And he says, okay, well, here's my shirt too. Verse 31, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, listen to what it says, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, then you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Here's the three simple points here. Number one, this is how I know I've let go. You find in verse 31, I treat others like me. I treat others like me. Now, for some of you, it's like, well, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, but remember, it starts with you embracing what Christ has done for you. So you know how he has treated you. And you applaud and you're so thankful and grateful of how he has treated you. 
and you understand your condition, and you say, wow, God, thank you for what you've, how you've treated me. So God, the same way I've been treated, let me treat others. Treat others like me. How would you want to be treated if the shoe was on the other foot? Then you find verse 35. I know I've let go when I love my enemies. It says, but love your enemies, do good, and, and lend, expecting nothing in return. If there are already your enemies, they already had nothing to give you. Right? Right now, some of your husbands are your enemy. Why? Because they had nothing to give you, which means they still have nothing to give you. Some of your wives are your enemies. You know why? It's because they had nothing to give you. They couldn't give you what you needed, right, what you wanted. So, so they have nothing to give you children, right? Listen, they're grown up. They're trying to sort through life. They have nothing to give you. That's why they become your enemy all of a sudden. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Whoever your enemies, at the end of the day, they became your enemy because they had nothing to give you anyway. So why then do we find ourselves trying to make them give us something that they are absolutely incapable of giving? Release them. Release them. And the only way you can release them is you got to love them. You got to love them in their current condition. Just as Jesus loves us in our current condition. Then lastly, you find in verse 37, release others. Got to release them once and for all. It says, pardon and you will be pardoned. This word pardon, you know what it means? Release. Release others, then you will be released. Contrarily to what we believe and think, when we hold people captive to what they are indebted to us for, it actually puts us in bondage. It puts us in bondage, contrarily to what we think. We think we're in control. We think we have the power. We think we have the authority. We think we have the leverage, but we're actually locked in bondage ourselves. And that's why Jesus says, no, no, pardon. Release them. So that you can always be released. Today, you may be the person that need to be released, or you may, need be, you may be the person that need to release others. Before we leave today, can you have the courage to say, okay, God, 
no longer in my lifetime, no longer in my camp. This will not leak over to my children or my children's children. I will not allow this spirit, this bitterness, this thing that ultimately grips and holds people in bondage for generation after generation after generation. It's going to stop with me. It's going to stop with me, and I will learn how to release people so I can live a life of pardon. Let's pray. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, um, the worship team is going to come back up and sing through this song. And if you could just allow the Lord to uh, allow this song to minister to your heart and just to soften your heart a bit. Because I don't want you to leave without saying, okay, God, I'm releasing this thing once and for all. And you may wonder why people come to the altar. You may wonder why we have these prayer walls up front. And really, it's, it's to help you release stuff when you come in and not to remain the same in what for, you know, by which you've come. So today, before you leave, there's people, situations you need to release. Again, maybe it's you that you need to say, okay, God, I release myself. I've been holding on to this for too long. I release myself. Or it may be that you do need to release some people. Can you not leave today without moving forward in this? And again, the altar is always open. I encourage you to come forward because coming forward simply says, you know what, God, I want to get it right before I leave. Because when I leave, it's too late to get it right sometimes. You know why? This is the safe zone. Where we are right now in this building with these people, this is considered the safe zone. This is kind of like, okay, we all kind of mutually agree that these are some things that we should be doing. And if you can't courageously move forward in this safe environment, chances are when you get out into the real world and you get out there, when, when it gets real tough, chances are you're not going to be able to do it there. But if you courageously say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to come forward. I'm going to move because you're moving in my heart. You move now. You'll see God do some amazing things when you leave this room. Your courage starts right now. Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church.